Wendell Lane Diaries You Shouldn't by Vincent Vina Carver Disclaimer I am not a paranormal investigator. I am an author. While searching for inspiration for a book, I came across a series of stories surrounding a home in the American Pacific Northwest. It is an extremely unextraordinary looking house in an extremely unextraordinary looking residential neighborhood, but the stories that have emanated from its former residents and the people who lived in the town that it's located in are quite extraordinary. Through my research of the house on Wendell Lane, I have come across accounts that range from the supernatural to the just plain bizarre. In order to protect the privacy of the people in the town and the current inhabitants of the house on Wendell Lane, I have not only changed the name of everyone in these stories, but in the name of the street as well. Wendell Lane is just an alias for the true location of these accounts. Alan Palmer lived in the house on Wendell Lane from September 2002 to July 2003. After months of trying to contact him about his time there, I finally received an email agreeing to set up a meeting. Quite a few of the house's prior residents had turned down my requests for face-to-face interviews, so I jumped at the chance to talk to him in person once the opportunity presented itself. Palmer, who worked as a socio-economics professor at the University of Washington, arranged to meet me and talk over drinks at a place of his choosing in downtown Seattle. The bar was called Oliver's Lounge and was located in the historic Mayflower Park Hotel. Upon arriving, I was surprised to see just how crowded it was for nearly 3pm on a Tuesday. There were people seated at nearly every table, while food runners and waiters dressed in white service jackets and black bow ties hustled and bustled around the room, bringing people their orders. Windows stretching from floor to ceiling allowed for an ample amount of sunlight to illuminate the space, giving it a genuinely open and inviting ambiance. I spotted Palmer in the corner, sitting at a small high table and sipping on a glass of scotch. He greeted me with a hearty handshake and a bright smile after I introduced myself to him. The man was greying a little around the ears, and I could tell shortly after meeting him that he was incredibly intelligent, but aside from that, he seemed to have the demeanour of a fellow fifteen years his junior. Palmer was a light-hearted gentleman, who loved a good joke and he insisted on telling me a few of his favourites before I turned my tape recorder on. Once he had his fun, we started the interview. Believe it or not, you're not the first person who tried to contact me about the time I spent living on Wendell Lane. Apparently, there are all kinds of ghost enthusiasts out there who've heard about the house through the various online forums these people tend to frequent. Nerds and losers, you know the type. They spend their time sifting through thread after thread on the internet, pretending that they're doing something productive with their lives. Hell, most of them are probably overweight man-children sitting in their parents' basements and conducting their research in between anime cartoons. Palmer let out a laugh, seemingly pleased with his depiction of the paranormal research community. I decided to omit the fact that I first heard about him through one of the online forums he was talking about. He took a sip of scotch, and continued on. So, naturally, I ignored your emails thinking you were another one of those ghost geeks. It's strange, I probably wouldn't have agreed to meet, 
but I came across one of your books by complete accident. My nephew mentioned your work in passing when I was over at my brother's house for dinner a few weeks ago. I put two and two together and realised you were the same author who had been emailing me. So I figured, why the hell not? I'm game to talk about it, if you are. Although I must admit my story probably isn't as interesting as demons or monsters or whatever the hell it is you write about. Not a whole lot happened while I was living there. In fact, the only reason I lived in the house for such a short period of time was because an old colleague of mine offered me a full professorship here at the University of Washington not long after I purchased it, and the commute was just too far. My workplace at the time had no job security. I was on the chopping block every year, so there was no way I could turn down the offer. This was before the housing bust in 07. It was a seller's market. Banks were giving away loans like there was no tomorrow, so it wasn't difficult to turn right back around and flip the place. Hell, I even made 30 grand. Plus, I love Seattle. The weather sucks, but this city has culture. We made small talk for a while. He told me some stories about work, his travels to Europe, and even asked me about some of the upcoming books I've been working on. I was beginning to wonder if flying all the way out to Seattle to speak to him had been a big waste of time. After all, Palmer appeared almost completely uninterested in discussing any and all aspects of the house. I directed his attention back towards the reason why we had met, when I asked him to describe the most bizarre encounter he could remember having in the short time he lived on Wendell Lane. Ha! <laughs> now you're starting to sound like the internet ghost geeks. Fine, fine. Let me think. Like I said, nothing really strange ever happened, that's why I... He paused for a moment and looked out of the window towards the street. There was one thing... I'd almost forgotten about it. The TV incident. It was a Friday night in June, about a month before the house sold. There was nothing on. You know how crappy television programming can be on the weekends, especially in the summertime. I was scrolling through channels on my TV's menu looking for something to turn my brain off to when the title of a show caught my eye. It was called You Shouldn't Watch. And I figured with a name like that, how could I not give it a go? Also, the show was on a channel I'd never seen before, Channel 732. To be honest, I don't watch much TV, and when I do, I usually don't venture out of the HD channels, so I wasn't even sure if it was covered under my cable package. Now I don't know what yours looks like, but the way my cable provider's menu was set up, different colours are used to distinguish between different types of shows. You get green for sports, purple for movies, and blue for everything else. However, the menu colour for this particular show was black. The text was yellow, which was also unusual since the show's title is always written in white. Even the font was different. Don't ask me to describe what it looked like because I really can't recall. All I know was I had never seen letters written in that way before. I know it sounds odd, but the best description I could give you is that even though the lettering looked completely alien in appearance, my mind could somehow interpret what it said you shouldn't watch. Now I'm starting to sound like the internet weirdos. <laughs> Palmer polished off his drink and called the waitress over to order another one. Anyways, from the very second I turned on the program, I knew I was watching something very strange. Very strange indeed. The black and white picture on my television was a mostly empty room. There were no visible windows or doors. The place seemed cold and uninviting like how I'd imagine a jail cell in Bangladesh would look. Not dead centre, but slightly off to the left of the frame, was a man sitting at an old rusty table, 
He was shirtless and looked to be very malnourished. It reminded me of those old photos you see of the Jews who suffered through German concentration camps during World War II. I remember wondering if he was a prisoner there. The Freilmann wore a pair of tattered slacks and no belt or shoes. His mouth hung agape as if his jaw was too heavy to close. There was no music or dialogue. The only noises radiating from my speakers were the sounds of his wheezy, raspy breaths. God, it sounded like he was suffering from emphysema or something. I followed his gaze down to an old rotary phone sitting on the tabletop. He just gawked at the thing like a buffoon while I stared at the screen, mesmerized by the odd scene taking place on my television. I hit the info button, hoping to read a synopsis of what the show was about, but of course there was nothing, so I just kept watching. For minutes, he didn't move. I giggled to myself a bit, you know? The way you do when something makes you uncomfortable and your brain thinks laughing will ease the tension. The whole time I was waiting, hoping for something that resembled dialogue. Anything to prove that I was just watching some weird movie and it simply turned on at the wrong time. But nothing ever happened. Perplexed and a little bored, I stood up from my couch and headed over to the kitchen to rummage through the fridge for a little late night snack. I was about halfway done making myself a sandwich when I heard the most terrible noise. Palmer paused briefly. At first I thought he had stopped his story because of the waitress returning from the bar with his drink, but he barely acknowledged her presence. The man was caught up deep in thought, as though he had just remembered something important. When he finally began to speak again, the tone of his voice had completely changed. Gone was the chipper, upbeat persona I had come to know him by. Palmer was clearly distraught. It sounded horrible. Like a dying animal. I remember an awful sensation of nausea washing over me. It was the strangest thing. There was a ominous feeling in the air too. Death, ruin, calamity all hanging over my head. Once I realised the noise was coming from the television, I put down my sandwich and hurried back towards the living room. The scene on the TV was essentially the same, except now the sickly looking man had turned his head up towards the ceiling and was howling and groaning in the most unpleasant of ways. The longer I watched, the more it made me feel like I was going to retch. The whole thing was utterly abhorrent. The man would moan for 30, maybe 40 seconds at a time before stopping suddenly. Then he would take another deep wheezy breath and the terrible sounds would begin anew. I cringed as I took it all in. My visual and auditory senses were being assaulted by the most disagreeable of stimuli and I was still fighting off the urge to vomit all over my living room carpet. Just when I thought things couldn't get worse... The man still groaning, mind you, turned his head in the direction of the screen and stared straight into the camera. The thing is, I was certain he was looking directly at me. That's what it felt like. It was almost as if we were in the same room. I probably should have turned off the show, but after minutes of nothing, something was finally going on, and I felt compelled to keep watching, even though I was suffering immensely. I stared into the glazed over eyes of the sickly looking man until he turned his attention down towards the phone sitting on the table. 
Peter hunched over in his seat and removed his glasses. He seemed visibly shaken. The 42-year-old econ professor clasped the bridge of his nose between his thumb and index finger and let out a deep sigh. Beads of sweat had begun to form on his forehead. Oh, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I haven't thought about this night in a long time. I suppose it's possible that my mind pushed this episode to the back of my consciousness, and I forgot all about it. Kind of a defence mechanism type of thing. I've read about case studies where army veterans who witnessed horrific events develop amnesia about their time in the military. It seems as though I may be going through something similar. Except as I sit here and talk to you, everything begins to come back to me. I asked him if he wanted to continue. He agreed, and then resumed his story. His hand quaked violently as he lifted the phone to his ear. His arms were rail thin, and it looked as though he was struggling mightily to hold it in place. With his other hand, he clumsily started spinning the rotary dial. That's when my cell phone started ringing. A chill ran down my spine. My nausea got even worse. That ominous feeling in the air had transformed into full-on horror. I prayed with every fibre in my being that it was a coincidence as I looked at my phone's caller ID. You have no idea how bad I wanted the number to be one that I recognised. I didn't recognise it, of course. Hell, it wasn't even a number. It was something else entirely. In that same strange alien text from the TV's menu were the words... You shouldn't listen. Written where the caller's number should have been. That was enough for me. I hung up the phone and breached for the remote on the coffee table. I must have pressed the channel button a dozen times, but the picture never changed. I tried the power button, and still nothing happened. The man began to dial the phone again. Once more, my cell started ringing. Palmer had gone pale. He looked completely different from when I first met him. The polar opposite of the smiling man who shut my hand earlier. I tried to turn off the TV manually. I even unplugged it from the wall. But by this time, I knew it would do nothing. The sickly pale man continued to stare at me. His horrible, empty gaze felt as though he was tearing me to pieces. Stomach bile slowly started to crawl its way up my esophagus. I don't know why I answered the phone. I couldn't help myself. Maybe I thought, if I did, then it'd all just end. My finger trembled as I pressed the answer button. I slowly lifted the phone to my face. I didn't even need to say hello. He just began speaking, as if he was watching me answer the phone through the television screen. And perhaps he was. Tears began to well up in Palmer's eyes. I tried to tell him that he didn't need to go into further detail if he was uncomfortable, but he kept talking as though he never even heard me. By that point, he would have finished his story even if there was no one sitting across the table from him. He spoke to me in a terrible voice. It sounded like he was gargling shards of glass. His lips moved on the screen, but I could hear him clearly over the phone. He said, he said you shouldn't tell. Then in one horrible, inhumanly quick motion, he leapt out of the frame as the screen went to black. 
Jesus Christ. He said you shouldn't tell. Did I just tell? Vincent, please, does that mean I just told? Palmer fell silent and stared awkwardly into his glass for a moment. Then he apologized and excused himself from the table. It was the last I saw of him that night. He sent me a text message 15 minutes later, explaining that he had to go home and instructing me to charge the bill to his tab. I tried contacting him once I got back to California, but he never answered my calls or emails. A few weeks later, I found out what happened to him after performing a simple Google search of his name. Twelve days after Alan Palmer and I met to talk about the house on Wendell Lane, he was found dead in his Seattle home. There was no sign of a struggle or forced entry. However, due to the horrific nature of his death, Seattle Police Department does believe he was murdered. Palmer's body was discovered in front of the television on his living room couch, missing ears, eyes and tongue. Hi guys, thank you ever so much for watching today's video. This is a story I've wanted to do for a really long time. Vincent is one of my favourite creepypasta authors, and if you haven't heard of him, where the hell have you been? Like, seriously, are you living under a rock or something? The guy is incredible. Definitely go check out his stuff, he has books on Amazon. And I've just finished reading one of his audiobooks on Audible. Not a plug or anything, just some of that I listen to. In fact, this story is on that audiobook. If you enjoyed the video as much as I did making it, make sure you leave a like, share, comment, subscribe, all that jazz. Also, if you have a creepypasta that you want me to tell, make sure you email it to me. My details are in the description box below, along with my social media contact details. There will be another video coming in the next couple of days, so until next time, sleep tight.